Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about fat bikes and fat bike designs. And we have a guest here today, Vince from Chumba USA. Hey Vince. Hey, good to meet you guys. Thanks for having me on. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Chumba. Uh, well, you know, we're a pretty unique company. We're a company that's really focused on making stuff in the USA. So all of our bikes currently are made in the USA. We have a wonderful facility here where we're able to do in-house prototyping, in-house testing, uh, and a lot of our bikes are actually made in-house as well. And so while a lot of production bike companies are moving to overseas models, you know, we're really focused on having really good control of our product, being fast to market with innovative designs, and uh, designing bikes that are really capable of handling like the harshest conditions in terrain. Quality and durability are kind of paramount to us, and that's what we really probably put the most focus on in our designs. Right, right. And where does that focus come from? Is that sort of the type of riding that you like doing or the, the type of demands that you put on bikes yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, to be uh, perfectly honest, I mean, we've kind of grown like a, a really amazing team of riders around us. And I mean, they're kind of our inspiration along with our personal passions for just getting out there and doing challenging things. But uh, for example, like, you know, right now I've got a guy on our our fat bike, his name's uh, Roberto Garcia, and he has set it upon himself to tackle a uh, 22-day, 1,300-kilometer exploration of the Sahara and Atlas Mountains. So he's just flown to Morocco with our fat bike and uh, is out there kind of, you know, going through like multiple days of sand riding where he has to pack in all of his water um, and then transition to altitude and cold of the atlas mountains and then circle back in a big loop completely self-supported by himself wow so that's that's one example where you can't just do that with any bike you have to have something that you can really depend on Uh, it has to be able to function in all those different types of terrain and you know it has to be fun to ride still too that's just like one of many many trips that we've done kind of represent that So Vince, it sounds like you've got a lot of experience with bikepacking and, you know, sort of adventure riding. Any recent noteworthy trips on one of your Chumba USA bikes? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, earlier this year, I went to Ecuador and I was able to be there for about two weeks. First week, I was able to spend kind of just riding and acclimatizing uh, and checking out the scenery there. And then the second week, I spent uh, six and a half days bikepacking between uh, Volcan Cotopaxi and Volcan uh, Chimborazo. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was an incredible trip. I went there also to meet one of our our teammates. For them, I brought our Stella 29er. And then for myself, I brought our Ursa 29 Plus. We both had a really successful trip. You know, he had already been living there and was already really acclimatized to it. So I had a hard time. (laughs) <laughs> uh, keeping up with him 
until we would hit these massive patches of terrain that were just much more suited to to the mid fatter or 29 plus format Mm -hmm. and doing that trip really further proved to me just how versatile fat bikes and plus bikes are we were crossing over sections of kind of like open paramo Mm -hmm. uh, which is essentially a spongy like surface uh, that kind of squishes out water as you're riding over it and we're you know crossing between like valleys of mountains and then climbing up mountain sides where there are no trails mm-hmm. through these fields basically to get to different different sections of single track to kind of connect all the dots. Mm-hmm. And with that, that mid-fat tire on our Ursa 29 Plus, I was able to just stay on the bike more. And I was able to, to be comfortable longer uh, in the saddle for the whole day and, and kind of accomplish my ride goals. Alex is uh, our rider who, who was there on the Stella. He's just an animal, so he was able to do it too. But there were definitely times when we'd stop and he'd go, dang, man, I wish you'd brought one of those for me because this is really, really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I call it plus size and fat bike wheels. I call them cheater wheels. (laughs) Definitely a big fan. It's fair. It's fair to say. And yeah, one of the cool things about fat bikes and mid-fat bikes is I feel like if you're an intermediate or an advanced rider, there's something really fresh and fun about them. Mm-hmm. And if you're on them and you are really enjoying it, you have a bike that fits you well and performs well, you'll be surprised how much you end up really wanting to ride it and yeah. possibly riding more than just your, your standard bike or your standard race bike or trail bike. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a beginner or entry-level rider, uh, the bikes are so, so, so stable uh, and comfortable that you can do more, you can feel more confident on the bike, and you can kind of tackle more challenging terrain. Right. So for an advanced rider, it just means you can do that too. It just means you can go faster and you can go farther. Right. All right. So Chumba USA sells a bike called the Ursa Major, which is a fat bike. So I wanted to talk to you about some of the challenges involved in designing a fat bike frame. I know there are, you know, different stress considerations and geometry and weight. So what are, what are some of the sort of biggest challenges that that you've found in terms of designing a, a reliable and um, strong fat bike? For us, with our design goals with Ursa Major, we were really focused on a bike that could hit a lot of the things you just mentioned. So strength, durability, but also performance. And this is an area where fat bikes are improving drastically in a short amount of time, uh, where you know it's not just kind of a cut and paste thing. Everybody's got their own opinion and their own direction on it and that's kind of the beauty of how we were able to to work on our bikes with designing them in-house we can go through multiple prototypes and kind of come to a design eventually that that hits the the kind of targets that we're looking for and so what we were looking for is we really wanted a fat bike that could handle like the roughest terrain we wanted something that you know you can feel confident and stable over uh, and really take advantage of the big fat tires Mm -hmm. um, Something that, you know, you could feel like you could ride aggressively like a trail bike or you could ride loaded down with gear for a backcountry adventure and just really go out into the boonies. And also something that felt racy, you know, something that if you put a rigid fork on there, you can go tackle like a snow ultra race and and do well at it. Um, So to kind of achieve that, we kind of set a couple design goals that we were trying to accomplish. And one of them was, you know, we have a steel bike 
And one of the barriers there in the past has been for people is change stay length. And so we were like, right, we want to give customers a USA made steel bike option that has one of the shortest possible chain stay lengths available. Mm-hmm. And for us, we found that that short chain stay length actually makes the bike considerably better in the snow and sand because you're, mm-hmm. you're resting over more of, of the rear wheel and it allows the bike to kind of balance better in those conditions. Coincidentally, short chain stay on a bike like that also functions really wonderfully on the trail. So we kind of were able to hit both of our marks with that. And what's unique about the bike is it's a steel bike, but it has a 435 uh, millimeter chainstay length, which is something that previously a uh, majority of steel bikes weren't able to accomplish. Why is that? Why does steel uh, make it harder to create a short chainstay? Yeah, well, if you look at carbon designs, you know, you would imagine how uh, liberal you can be and flexible you can be with some of the design molding process. It kind of opens up being able to make uh, a shorter chain stay more easily. Whereas a steel bike, you know, you have uh, some restrictions where you have to uh, reinforce things with bridges to make them strong. Whereas carbon, you can use additional material to do that and be more flexible in the shaping. The, the downside is when you're going to pack up your bike and go to something like the Sahara <laughs> uh, and travel with it, mm-hmm. it's a little unnerving sometimes to do that with a carbon bike. And so for us, we wanted a steel bike that uh, achieved the performance, uh, uh, the performance standards that carbon bikes have really been pushing, mm-hmm. but in a format that was more durable and just kind of bomb-proof. Because that's kind of what our, our mission's really focused on, is just having a bike that can handle those, those really rough and harsh conditions. Steel fat bikes predominantly that are in production right now don't incorporate a stainless steel dropout. Our bike does, and this is really critical when you're trying to get the longevity out of your steel bike because the stainless steel dropout provides a lot of added strength to the rear triangle as well as through axle options, and it's non-corrosive and won't rust on you. Stainless steel is a little bit harder to weld too, right? Uh, it's a little more demanding to weld. It definitely takes some more attention to detail and, and a little bit more time to do it. But the benefits of having it on the bike are so significant. They're incredibly stiffer. So if you've ever had a steel bike, you know, in, if you have like a notion of what a steel bike is based on a, like a, a lower end model, it's really different than riding one with a stainless steel dropout. The stainless steel dropouts, they don't deform they're so much harder and so much stiffer and so much stronger that they actually give performance benefits to the bike, particularly in durability, stiffness, and um, keeping your frame from being misaligned. Uh, there's just a lot of benefits. Right. So one of the things you mentioned in terms of optimizing the bikes is performance. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't associate with fat bikes necessarily. Um, although, you know, like you mentioned, there are races involving fat bikes a lot of them are these ultra events and bike packing mm-hmm. events but is there a lot of focus especially for bike packing on making the bikes comfortable um yeah definitely i mean what's interesting about fat biking and kind of how it's evolving uh to chumba is how it's a bike that people are wanting to spend more and more time on it's not something that's just another bike in the quiver mm-hmm. For some people, it might be their only bike. And, you know, just because you are you bought a fat bike, you know, you probably are a person that likes to have a lot of foam in your riding. But you also might be a really serious biker with, you know, really serious 
goals in mountain biking that you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And so a steel bike is definitely very comfortable for riding long distances with. And on a performance basis, there's a few things that we did to kind of in- increase that. So one of the other areas that we thought the industry was kind of lacking especially like in steel design and, and honestly in a lot of carbon design too, which was surprising to us is really the standover height. You know, if you've ever gone on a snow ride and then tried to get off, like dismount from your bike, you know, bikes with a traditionally placed top tube aren't particularly practical for that once you start to sink down into the snow. Mm-hmm. So having a bike that a wide range of, of riders from small to large could feel comfortable on was really important to us too. So kind of moving forward in the uh, evolution of fat bikes, what are, what are kind of some new areas that you're interested in exploring as a, as a builder? We really want to continue to focus making fat bikes that can be used over rigorous terrain. Adventures like uh, the Sahara Desert, we've had riders going to Iceland, Ecuador, on really massive big adventures in terrain where you, you don't know what you're going to expect. So we really want to make bikes that can handle that kind of environment but also be a fun bike to ride just in your, in your backyard in Colorado when it's snowing. And then when the, when the snow turns and you have an option to go ride on the trail, we want the bike to be equally fun to ride when it's not snowy out. So that concept of a fat bike only being for one purpose, we really see fat bikes as mountain bikes and they're just another tool and fun thing to be able to ride and, and take advantage of. Along with that, we also, uh, with fat bikes, we also see massive potential in the bikepacking and adventure realm as well. And, you know, on a fat bike, you have the ability to cover terrain that is pretty much impassable on, on other bicycles. So we've uh, developed a relationship with Wanderlust Gear over the last two years where we were kind of working together to design a lot of the bikepacking equipment. And our team gets to prototype and test a lot of those products uh, so that's another area where we want to continue to focus on as well. So are those uh, like custom bags designed for the Chumbo bike specifically? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of the bags have been ones that we've made specifically custom for Chumba for like our team's needs um, as we're kind of developing them over the, over time. A lot of that innovation and design has gone into Wonderlust bags and has become part of their standard models. So it's, it's pretty exciting because it's a, it's a really cool relationship where, you know, we get the benefit of working with someone who has impeccable quality in their product at Wanderlust Gear, you know, really understands what the needs of the materials are and what the needs of the riders are. But then we also get feedback from people who are just doing epic things. So like our team that goes, has gone to uh, Iceland, the Sahara, uh, we just had a rider tackle Tour Divide this year. And, and come in third overall, first place rookie. Um, wow, he, Neil. We, we made, yeah, Neil Vilchenko. Was that on a fat bike? No, that was on our titanium hardtail. That would have been a really difficult feat on a fat bike. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just an example of like across the line, like, you know, it's really important to us that our bikes perform well in really challenging terrain as well as they're competitive in a race format. And they're also, got they have to be fun to ride because, you I mean, we're a, 100% a passion-driven company, and if, and if a bike's not fun to ride, like, why are you riding it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So Chumba USA makes a number of bikes that aren't just fat bikes. I mean, you've got the Stella, the Ursa 29 Plus, the Rostro. So 
How much of the fat bike design though, and what you've learned from fat bikes is spilling over into the rest of the line? I would say like a massive amount is we've really focused a lot across the board on making sure that our, all of our bikes have the clearance options for like the fattest tires you can put on there, <laughs> uh, which is part of the industry that to me is, is, or to us really is, is really exciting that people are kind of doing this return to fat, like this mm-hmm. concept of like, I want to have the option to be able to, to put a fatter tire on a bike. I think everybody's seeing how much fun people are having on fat bikes and they're wondering how they can make their 29er do that too. Right. <laughs> so when you look at all of our models, we generally try to, to make the opportunity for some of the biggest tires to fit in there. For example, majority of bikes out there on the market that incorporate a sliding dropout, uh, they really advertise it as, oh, we fit, say, like a, a 2.4. But then the reality is you get that bike home mm-hmm. and you try to put that 2.4 in there and you realize, well, I have to run this all the way in the back <laughs> of the dropout to accomplish right. that. Yeah. What a bummer. I wanted that chain stay length that they were advertising. So for us, as a company that is you know able to design and prototype in-house, we have that ability to kind of push the designs farther to really spend time to get those clearances correct and make it so you could fit those bigger tires farther forward or all the way forward in the dropouts. And for us, that's that's really a, a cool feature. The other thing that we've found uh, is really spilling over is kind of a lot of inspiration from DH standards, honestly. Um, hmm. So fat, fat bikes, you know, they've recently gone all the way to 190 or 197 with a through axle uh, with a 100 mil bottom bracket. That's how we've chosen to design our bike so it could just fit the widest array of tire sizes possible. But what that does too is it actually makes a really stiff and strong uh, rear triangle. I mean, you have a really sturdy through axle, you have a hub with a really wide flange, so you have a really strong wheel, and all those things kind of give you performance benefits. And the downhill industry with a 150 rear hub standard to like an 83 millimeter bottom bracket, that's been around for a long time, and downhill riders have been taking advantage of that for a while because it, it stiffens the wheel, it gives the bike a lot more stability. And in particular, it gives the bike a lot more stability as it's cornering because you just have a little bit wider stance on the bike. So like our, our Plus bike actually incorporates a downhill standard, uh, the Ursa 29 Plus. It's a 150 rear and to an 83 millimeter bottom bracket. That allows the bike to just perform better in terms of ride quality, mm-hmm. but also in terms of dysfunctionality. Uh, it gives so much more clearance for the chain between the chain and tire, uh, which is something that's really important about fat biking and plus biking is getting a bike that doesn't just meet the metrics mm-hmm. of fitting a big tire. More importantly is like, how is the bike thought out? How is the bike planned? Like have multiple prototypes been put in place to solve these problems ahead of time? Or is it going to be put upon the consumer to just solve those problems on their own with, you know, adapting cranks and flipping chain rings and things like that. And right. We've really focused on the needs of that market to fit those things, but still have clearance for things like snow, sand, mud, bumpy terrain where the chain's rattling around. That's all really important. Right. And we see that spilling over directly into into like the, the everyday mountain bike market too. Yeah, that's cool. So what size tire are you guys specking on your fat bikes currently? 
Uh, well, it's kind of cool. We have a couple different models for the Ursa Major, a couple different variations. And we generally, generally the majority of them incorporate a four inch tire, but the bike will fit a 4.8 as well. So like our, we have a Ursa Major backcountry model and that one kind of comes standard with that larger tire. And what's kind of unique about our company is we can kind of custom tailor things a little bit beyond just what I have on our spec sheet on the site. So like if a customer calls and says, hey, I, I want to get an Ursa Major backcountry model and I'm excited about that five inch tire, I want one that really will perform in snow. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll set them up with like the new Maxxis Colossus, which is, you know, a great new snow tire that's out and a 4.8. Um, if they call us and say, hey, I want a five inch tire, but I want to go to like, for example, Roberto, team rider who's in the Sahara, you know, I need a tire that can perform on the trail and perform in the sand. We can get them set up on like a Maxxis Minion fat bike front or fat bike rear, uh, which is their Maxxis's new 4.8 trail tire. So the cool thing about those options is like you can call us and uh, we can kind of custom tailor what the needs are uh, for the customer to the bike. And rather than sell you a bike that you have to to then go through and change all the the tires to fit your needs. Right. You know, you can talk to us about what your needs are, and we can suggest a tire, and you know, kind of work from our experience of our team and 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 ourselves on the bikes, and and hopefully find something that will fit the person's needs better than just a stock answer. Well, here's a dumb question: Have you ever tried putting a 29 plus wheel on the Ursa Major? Yes, that's something that we definitely wanted to fit on the bike, and mm-hmm. it does fit on the bike. I got to say, we're really firm believers that bikes are best used for their designed purpose. Absolutely. So the, the Ursa Major is designed as a fat bike. It's designed to run a 4-inch tire. It's designed to run a 4.8-inch tire and everything in between that. That's really where that bike is going to be designed to perform and excel. We also know, though, that people are demanding more versatility out of their bikes. So that's a really important consideration. So for us, we didn't set out to make the best fat bike that fits a 29-inch plus tire. We set out to make the best fat bike. So that's what we did. (laughs) (laughs) It does fit a 29-plus tire, and it can be ridden that way. It has that versatility and that capability but the focus of the bike is really on being the best fat bike to be able to tackle all of those challenging terrains and, and race and have fun and get out in the snow and do all those different types of riding. Right on. So speaking of the, the different types of riding, you know, we, we kind of touched on it already, but there is a wide variety of tire sizes available. So, you know, what, what are the use cases for, for each size? You know, I, I know, um, you know, 27.5 plus seems to be the hottest thing going right now, just at least in terms of buzz. And those tend to be around 2.8 to 3 inch tires. And then, you know, above that, the 4 and 5 inch tires, you're in firm fat bike territory. So is there an ideal terrain for each tire size or, you know, how do you guys approach that? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question. I have this conversation with customers a lot because, it's such a new market. Everybody's kind of searching for what the right answer is. And it's interesting tires in general across any tire size and tire pattern across any format, you know, are are really designed for an intended purpose. 
And so if you can kind of pair a tire to that intended purpose of what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to be most successful. That said, there's also a ton of personal preference that goes into it as well. In most cases, we've seen the three-inch size tire, like for instance, on our Ursa 29 plus three-inch tire. We've seen that used mostly for adventure, backcountry riding, bikepacking, as well as uh, tackling like fun long trail days and just getting the comfort out of that mm-hmm. that larger cushion. As you move to fat bike, we see the trail tire typically as as a four inch. Most of most of our riders uh, and customers are moving to you know if they're going to be really tackling majority of just the trail, they're usually using a four inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're going to do a bike packing adventure, it could be a four inch or it could even go to five and that's kind of where like some of those needs uh you you may need some of that extra flotation of a five inch tire sometimes on the trail even if you're doing something like you know riding in the sahara and you need that flotation in the sand or Mm -hmm. or uh doing something along uh different beach routes connecting areas of uh sandiness together Mm -hmm. and then you know in terms of snow riding i mean we have have seen some people you know, contact us about using a, a four-inch tire for that. But being that our Ursa Major fits the five-inch or 4.8 tire, most of our customers who are riding in the snow are contacting us looking for the most flotation that you can fit on a bike. And that's what's cool about our model is uh, the Ursa Major is we've been able to make essentially like the shortest chainstay option for a four-inch tire and for a five-inch tire in one frame so you kind of get the benefits of of those uh, capabilities to, uh, all, all in one package so yeah looking looking towards the future of of fat biking you know five inch tires kind of seem to be the widest that's currently available but you know in the future will we see a, a five and a half or a six inch tire and is there some point you know there's some tipping point where the added weight of the tire and the wheel doesn't make up for the the marginal increase in traction and flotation well i I think it's it's going to be really dependent on what people continue to do on the bikes and if there's going to be a need for that larger tire what's cool about a lot of the components that are coming out is tires are getting lighter wheels are getting lighter rims are getting lighter hub standards are providing stiffer wheels that are stronger that accelerate faster and bike designs are getting smarter. So, you know, rear triangles are getting stronger and stiffer and more efficient. So will tires continue to get bigger? I kind of have to say, I hope so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I mean, what could you accomplish on a six inch tire that, that maybe you weren't able to accomplish on a five? Uh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is, but if there's something that can be accomplished on a larger tire, I mean, why not see what, what could be done? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's um, what I was going to say. I mean, is there anywhere on the planet that fat bikes can't go or or even I mean at this point that they haven't been. Right. I'm having a hard time thinking of anywhere that somebody hasn't tried to ride a fat bike and had success. So Yeah, totally. And I mean, having a bike that fits the widest standards like even if say you're you're looking for a, a fat bike and your criteria is that you really want to have a 4-inch snow and and trail tire having that option to potentially go larger with the five inch tire 4.8 inch tire that's just a nice feature to have in there and i think that 
when you get a fat bike, you, you might have these conceptions about what a fat bike is. Maybe you've never ridden one or maybe you've ridden like a rental one. And so it feels like a tank, (laughs) you know, but when you get on a really well built fat bike, that's designed to be efficient, designed to be, you know, able to tackle challenging terrain and be comfortable, you can kind of start to realize like, Oh, these bikes are really rideable. Limiting yourself to just one tire size could kind of be like uh, very frustrating as you start to to kind of break misconceptions about the weight of the tires and the rolling resistance of the tires. Uh, once you get on the bike and realize how much fun it is, you're just going to want to go fatter and fatter. Right on. Yeah, I'm sold. Well, thanks, Vince. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So that's it for this episode. Join us later this week for a fresh episode of the Single Tracks podcast. Peace. Mm-hmm.